it's time to know your enemy and this enemy is a little bit more familiar than most out there so today we're talking about the Colorado Buffs and Mike Sanford who is coming back to Minnesota after being let go last season let's talk about the Buffs let's talk about a breakdown on today's episode of Locked on Golden Gophers hey, you are no Locked happens, on Golden Gophers no matter what we're gonna do here we're just going to keep rowing. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota uh, Golden out, Gophers. it turns out, we're going to keep rowing. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We're just going to keep rowing, keep rowing, and keep rowing. You're listening to Locked On Golden Gophers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Kane Robb, host of the podcast, former collegiate video coordinator and recruiting assistant here to talk Golden Gophers with you each and every day of the week, Monday through Friday. It's time to break down the opponent, but first be sure to follow wherever you get your podcasts at Locked On Golden Gophers. Follow us on the Twitter at LO Golden Gophers and be sure to subscribe on YouTube where we're building a community where we can talk about what happened. You can ask what questions you have and we can discuss the topics that you want when you drop them in the comments below. So be sure to subscribe on YouTube. But let's dive in. We're doing an opponent breakdown today for the Colorado Buffs. Now, over the last three seasons, the Colorado Buffs have been 14 and 22. Those are the last three full seasons. But if you look at the last uh, about 20 games, that's what Coach Carl Durrell has been in charge of the Buffs is the last 20 games. And in that time, he has been 8-12 and 12 thus far in his time with the Colorado Buffs. Now, head coach Carl Durrell is heading into year three. This year being year three, he has started 0-2 this season so far. He served as an assistant for the Buffs in the 90s on two different occasions. Prior to that, he had been the head coach of UCLA for from 2003 to 2007 in his last coaching gig before coming to the Buffs was that he was a Dolphins wide receiver coach for the Miami Dolphins. Now, he started 4-2 and two in his first season in 2020, which was the COVID season, and he earned the Pac-12 Coach of the Year. Many predicted the Buffs in that season to finish around 5th or maybe 6th in the Pac-12, but they would end up finishing 2nd and were in contention for the league's championship game until the very end. He became the first first-year head coach to take over a Colorado program and starting the year unranked and finishing into the ranks. Now, he got to number 21 in the national polls and then ended up finishing in 25 in the CFP committee rankings in that COVID year. Now, it's a shortened season. It's hard to fully give him credit for it, but he got it. I mean, it's in the record books. It's on the official, I don't know, stats of the Pac-12. So you can't take that away from him. But again, this was just in that shortened season, but he was the first or the fifth. 
He was the fifth coach in program history to win his first four games with the Colorado Buffs. Now, he is bringing in new offensive coordinator to this season, Mike Sanford, who we know all too well. He served as an offensive coordinator for six different teams. The, The last one we all know, we all love, is the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Now, the passing game, we know heavily struggled under Mike Sanford, and it wasn't just here. If you look at his time in Utah State as well, you're talking about a time where you had quarterback Jordan Love, who was coming off of a 32-touchdown and, I believe, seven-interception season, and then Coach Sanford comes in as the OC, and all of a sudden, Jordan Love is throwing two to three times the interceptions, is way less efficient and more prone to turnovers. So there's been all sorts of little question marks, you could say, about how effective is his offensive system. Then you flip on the defensive coordinator side of ball, and you have Chris Wilson, who has joined the Buffs at the same time as Carl Durrell. He was brought over with him at the same time in 2020. He's coached 20 years at six different schools on the FBS level. Now, with those teams at the FBS level, his teams have posted 15 winning seasons in those 20 years and earned many bowl berths. And on top of that, the win-loss record for his teams in the FBS has been 145 in 93. Now, he didn't just work at the FBS level. In fact, he worked for the Eagles as the defensive line coach from 2016 to 2018, which is right when they won the Super Bowl. I mean, he has some great experience, and he also has been a coach most recently for the Arizona Cardinals in 2019 before joining Carl Durrell to come to the Colorado Buffs. There's a lot of experience on this coaching staff, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there is a lot of success being brought to this coaching staff, as they've most recently seen. They started 4-2, and two, and now his record is 8-12. and 12. So think about that. They've won four more games in that time and lost 10. It's been a rough go after that quick start. Now let's talk about the tendencies that have been shown so far this year. That's what we're going to talk about next. But first, we have to have to talk about our friends over at Get Upside. From cringing at the pump to get an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts. And it really hurts. That's why I've started using Get Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. To get started, download the free Upside app, use promo code LOCKED, and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. So all you have to do is just claim the offer whenever you're you're buying on Upside. You can check in at the business, pay as usual with credit card or debit card, and get paid. Upside users 
are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they've had a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. So download free, download the app for free. It's the Upside app and use promo code LOCKED. That's it, just LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED on the Upside app. All right, so we're gonna talk about the tendencies for Carl Durrell's offenses, for his his squads at the time, but let's talk about what happened in these first two games first. So in game one, the run pass was 42% run to 58% pass, but again, this could have been due to playing behind. But what was strangely happening in game two was that the run pass was 60% run, 40% pass, but they were even down huge in this game. Ended up losing 41 to 10, but they still ran the ball a ton. Now we know for a fact that the Sanford offensive system struggles through the air. We've seen it firsthand on multiple occasions, and we're finally seeing some life being breathed back into that part of our game. But this team has been struggling, especially at quarterback. Now, Coach Durrell's systems have often seen better numbers in the passing game than they did in the run game in his previous stint with USL, UCLA from 2003 to 2007. Now, with UCLA, in 2003, his team was averaging nearly 300 yards passing and only 91 yards rushing. 2004, he saw 410 yards passing to 184 rushing. 2005, he saw 431 yards passing per game to 160 rushing. You see where I'm going here. He likes more of a pass-heavy offense, so I don't know how he quite got Mike Sanford as the right idea or right man to bring in for his offensive system. Maybe he thought it would complement his system more so because he's handling the passing that Coach Sanford could handle the running, seeing as how he had so much success here with the Minnesota Golden Gophers. But was that due to him or was that due to us having fantastic O-line coach, a rushing system in place that has been proven to succeed on top of having guys like Mo Ibrahim, like Trey Potts. So I think he might be being exposed as he is being a coach out there, but we're not here to hate on Mike Sanford. What we are here to do is talk about what's been happening with this Colorado Buffs team. The team has struggled at quarterback. Quarterback JT Strout has played both games. He started game two and he went Two, 5 for 21 for 51 yards in an interception. Rough game. Rough game. But on top of that, in game one, Brendan Lewis, who started for them last year, started this year, and then JT Shrout took over. So Brendan Lewis was 13 for 18. It's about 70% completion rate for 78 yards. Not so great. But then Shrout came in and was 18 for 44, which is about 40% completion rate for 157 yards and a touchdown. Now, the numbers look a little bit better, but not really if you're looking at the overall picture of that. Now, the coach seems to be unsatisfied. Still, with reports coming out yesterday, he doesn't know who is going to start this game. 
Uh, he even been quoted to say they may need to start looking at younger guys than these younger guys. Now, JT Shroud is a junior and Brendan Lewis is a sophomore. But he said they need a spark and that no starting quarterback has been announced for this week. And now is the time to go out there and earn it and prove why they should be starting. So it sounds like a big week for them on the practice field as well as heading into this Gophers game. Now let's talk about the strengths, talk about the weaknesses, the opportunities, and the threats with this Colorado Buffs team. Now strength of theirs is that they are, we're playing a better caliber opponent than our last couple matchups. So that's a strength for them. And then Air Force had a, has had a solid defense. They were a top 10 ranked, or in some categories, a top 10 ranked defense last season. And this Colorado team put up 10 points. That's not something that isn't anything earth-shaking or you know record-shattering. It's 10 points, just like 10 points were put up on the Gophers last week. So it's not saying a whole lot, but it does show that they can score on defenses that are capable. Now, that being said, another strength for this team is, in fact, Mike Sanford. Why? Because he's very familiar with our personnel and with the defensive system since he was heavily involved. I mean, you think about this. He was coaching on a day-to-day basis, especially heading into fall camp. In the beginning of fall camp, you're not prepping for your opponent right away. You're not giving looks of your opponent. You're you're playing good on good. You're playing Minnesota on Minnesota. And so your defense is putting everything together in their system and your offense is putting everything together in their system. You're trying to get it down, get it like a well-oiled machine. And so to the point where you start to find the pockets or the ways that you can attack said program. You find the weaknesses and you try to expose it so that way the defense can hone in and know their weaknesses and how to counter. That way the offense can know what they need to add in elements and counter and clean up the work. So he knows firsthand where maybe which players he could try to attack, which which holes he could try to attack in this defensive system. He knows probably better than most people in the country. And so that is one strength that they have is maybe they can understand or put on tape a couple flaws that the defense would have which you don't love heading into the Big Ten schedule is because this is a game that could maybe potentially expose something on film that other teams could try to attack but that being said uh, I'm not too worried about it overall because if you flip it a weakness for this program as well can be the same exact thing The same as a strength goes as a weakness because the defense is very, very familiar with the concepts of Sanford's system. Now, not only that, but we have a defense that's known to be a top talented level defense over the last couple years now, and they're proving it again this year in the nation, in the entire nation. Now, Sanford might change some wrinkles of his offense. He might have some different things that we haven't seen that he'll throw at us, but the personnel is not going to be at the level or the caliber of our defense. It doesn't matter that they're power five. It doesn't matter that they're in the Pac-12. They're not going to be to the same standard that our defense is able to put up there, which means there might be less exposed, or we absolutely shut down his offense, and this isn't too much of a worry overall. 
Now, their defense is also poor. With not a single player graded in the 70s when it came to PFF's grading system for run grades or coverage grades in week one. Now, only three players on the entire roster in game two were able to crack into the 70s in the run grades for defense, and one player was able to crack into the 70s for pass coverage in week two. So, over two full weeks, their defense has had its fair share of struggles. Now, when we're talking about opportunities for this game, an opportunity to get our first Power 5 win, everybody is yapping, yipping and yapping and talking about how the Gophers don't have a huge schedule so far. They haven't played anybody, which is just wild. I mean, we're seeing Nebraska columnists talk about the Gophers haven't played anybody, but they're the only undefeated team. Who have you played? Who have you played to be complaining like this? Georgia Southern, who you lost to, or an FCS UND, who you struggled against for three quarters before you finally put it down, or Northwestern, who just got exposed by Duke and lost at the very end of the game. I mean, it's not like you're out there playing world beaters. You're playing Oklahoma this week, but you play them a vast majority of times because that's your number one rival. So no way you can really complain there now you talk about other schools i mean wisconsin played washington state okay yeah they played washington state who was decent has cam ward who's a great quarterback prospect over coming over from the fcs so yes but they've also played illinois state i mean there's been a fair share of very bad programs, but then player or different Big Ten teams have played other Big Ten teams like Purdue and Penn State. That's not our fault that it shook up early. I mean, we played Ohio State in game one early last year, but the non-conference has been scheduled out years in advance. So if you know how the scheduling system works, it's not like we're actively trying to pick the weakest games possible. Colorado was possibly a bit better or a lot more better when they got on our official schedule when the game was scheduled years ago so just hop off take a step back and let's think about this it's a time for us to win our first p5 game power five game and continue our ground game rampage that is an opportunity for us now this team has given up 275 rush yards in week one and 443 rush yards in week two. Mo and Trey should have a field day. Now there's also an opportunity for us to get a test and run any concepts that we still need work before we head into the Big Ten schedule next week and one of the biggest games for the Gophers all year. So now is the time. Whatever you got to test out, whatever you got to get on tape for yourselves, whatever you need to iron out the wrinkles for, now is the time to do that. Now, finally, the threats. The only threat I see on this is the revenge game narrative, once again, for Sanford, who was let go. Outside of that, I don't see a lot of threats with this team. They're struggling on the defensive side of ball. They have no idea what they want to do for quarterback or who's going to come in, which is this is the third game where there hasn't been a set quarterback who is going to play against the Gophers. We're prepping for multiple guys. And 
The run game hasn't really been there for Coach Sanford this year as well. Now, the last few opponents they've played, they had TCU in Week 1. They lost 38-13. to They gave up 275 rush yards and 138 passing yards, 413 total. They had zero turnovers, but they had two sacks. Third down efficiency, they were 6-for-15. Not great. And they were 0-for-3 on fourth down attempts. Now, they were 1-for-2 in the red zone with 5 penalties for 30 yards. So overall, there's a lot of errors right there. You're not efficient or getting in the red zone very often. You have multiple penalties. You can't really get it. You don't even have a 50% um, third down efficiency rate. So it was tough. Then you look at their second game against Air Force where they lost 41-10, to and it gets worse. They gave up 435 rushing yards and 8 passing yards. Then they had one fumble, they had one interception, and they had a sack given up. Then you look at the third down efficiency, and they were 1 for 11 and 0 for 2 on fourth down. 0 for 1 in the red zone. So in the red zone one time, and they cannot complete third downs. Four penalties for 40 yards. It's just rough all around. This is a game that our defense should continue to pummel, to go full throttle, and to prove that we are one of the best defensive units in the entire country. And you know what? We have to go seize that opportunity and prove that we are the real deal and keep the momentum climbing and rising as we head to East Lansing next week to kick off the Big Ten schedule. So that is the breakdown for our opponent, and that's what we're looking at. There's a lot of opportunity, especially in the ground game, but an opportunity for us to iron out any wrinkles before we hit the Big Ten season. Now we're going to close it off with a few players that you should maybe have on your radar for the Colorado Buffs coming up next. All right, we're going to keep this segment a little bit shorter, but thank you for making Locked On Golden Gophers your first listen when it comes to Gophers Daily Sports. I've got a podcast coming out Monday through Friday for you, so if you can't get enough Gophers, hit subscribe on YouTube and be sure to follow wherever you get your podcasts. Now we're going to talk about Players on the offensive and defensive side of ball to know for Colorado as you head into the weekend. We'll keep this one a bit more brief because it's just not great. It's not great. So overall, we have, I think, JT Shrout is the quarterback to have your eye on and keep aware of. JT Shrout, he has had a very poorly rated in general, but also in the PFF grades. 208 total passing yards so far this season with one touchdown and one interception, a completion rate that is abysmal, to be honest. Like, it, we're talking 40% in one game and probably uh, f- just under 50% in the second game as well. So, not great, Bob. Not great. And... Then another player to keep an eye on is Daniel Arias at the wide receiver position. He has had six receptions for 102 yards, zero touchdowns, but he is by far the most productive receiver on this team in, in the receiving game. In fact, the next two receivers behind him have three receptions apiece, and they have 32 yards and 24 yards. So he's almost 100 yards over the next two receivers on the depth chart. Then you flip over to the running backs, and you have Alex Fontenot, and you have Deion Smith. Both running backs have been given about 20 carries total on the season, and they have 89 yards and 84 yards 
total collect or each running back. Now Smith has a touchdown as well. Smith has had about a 4.9 yards per carry average, whereas Fontenot has had about a 4.2 yards per carry. So not a lot of success in the ground game. Not a lot of opportunity so far in the ground game either, which has always been, not always, but it's been more of a strength with Sanford with the Gophers, and you're not seeing it really carry over to the Colorado Buffs. Now, on defense, we've got three players to keep in mind as well. You've got Quinn Perry, a linebacker. He has 23 total tackles on the season, 15 solo tackles, one tackle for loss. He's the second highest graded tackler on the entire team. Then you've got Trevor Woods at DB. He has a 67.2 run grade, so he's pretty decent in run stopping. And he has a forced fumble on the season along with 16 total tackles, 12 solo. And then finally, one player on the defensive line is Jalen Sammy. He has one quarterback hit, five tackles, and a forced fumble. So Trevor Woods and Jalen Sammy both have forced fumbles, which we've had a fumble in the last game for sure. I can't remember if we had one in the first game. I don't believe we had any turnover in the first game. So at least players to keep an eye on that they have created some chaos in very small doses and that's going to wrap it for us that's going to what you need to know about the colorado buffs as we head into the week now tomorrow we're talking about the gophers keys to beating the buffs the keys to victory key matchups and players on each side of the ball to step up for this game and help us get the dub that's going to do it for us on today's episode i hope you have a great day i hope you Subscribe on YouTube, and I hope you tune in tomorrow. Row the boat, Skyima, go Gophers, I'm out.